Ramblers is your one-stop destination for everything CSU sports related. I'm Caleb Allen. And I'm Austin Martin. We're going to bring you the latest updates, insightful commentary, and behind-the-scenes stories that keep you connected to the Rams' athletic endeavors. To listen to other episodes, you can go to kcsufm.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Ramblers airs live every Thursday, 7 to 9 p.m. on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. This is a pre-recorded episode. listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. I'm Caleb Allen, Austin Martin in the booth. This is Ramblers. Another week has come and gone, another week of CSU sports and plenty to talk about this week, Austin Martin. Absolutely, man. It was a busy week and you know, a very up and down week, I would say. Yeah, to say the least. Let's start yeah. with some of the good stuff here. CSU track and fieldy. Kind of a weird part of the season for them. A lot of split meets. I think next week, or I believe it's next week, they have uh, three different meets that they're all participating in. Um, so, yeah, a bit of a weird time period for them, but they had a pretty solid weekend, um, to say the least, last week. Yeah, it, it was it was an interesting week. I mean, they had uh, a lot of heptathlon stuff going on. What? Yeah, and I had no idea what that meant, but it is a combination of seven events. Makes sense. Yeah. Seven. So, I mean, I don't know about. I, I think saying the best of the best athletes on the track and field department are out there. I would. I would say that's a stretch. But definitely the most versatile athletes out there. I mean, you got. I. I, I think there was like some javelin in there and some shot put and some. I, I think I saw like a sixty meter dash that they had and they add up all the points and stuff. But all I know is uh, Elijah Moore set the standard Elijah for Scott? the Rams or was yeah. it Elijah Scott, Elijah, Scott. Elijah, Elijah Moore Elijah I'm thinking of a basketball player there. Browns player yeah oh yeah same thing Rocks all over the place here we go yeah but uh yeah Elijah Scott he uh he set a personal record and he also put up the ninth most points in the nation so oh, wow. yeah had a had a stellar weekend we had four uh Rams in that uh PR department too so shout out to all those uh track athletes doing the heptathlon and thank you for uh, competing in, in, in an event that I had no idea about. I had to do some research on. So. I, I'm very uh, – I'm not privy to much of track and field, and I just learned something new today. So that means yeah. that's a good day. Any day you learn something new, it's a good day. And so they do seven different events, but it's not like the same – it's like a marathon or, or a, what is it, a triathlon where yeah. you do them back-to-back. You just kind of do them throughout the day. You get scored for your um, performance in each event, and then the total points gets added up, and that's how you win. Yeah, and it – it's kind of, it's interesting too because I mean, all these different events, the throwing events, that's like a lot of power. The the sprinting, it's it is power, but it's more explosion. And then you got some distance as well. So it's like you got to really be uh, pretty well versed in every single event and have an idea of what to do. And I I, I think that's pretty impressive too. If you had if you did a heptathlon, is that yeah. how you say that? Yeah. What would be your seven events? Doesn't have to be athletic related. What are seven skills you could put together and you could win the event? Mm. I mean, long jump was always my favorite event. It was just the easiest one. It doesn't just, have to be athletic. You can, yeah, it could be whatever. You, you run, run straight and jump. You know, 
I mean, it, it, there's more into it, but I always like the long jump. Um, I, I got to throw a javelin in there just to okay. get my like inner, uh, 300, you know, yeah. Spartan in. Like, right. I just, I, I like that one. Never I, I've, never, I've honestly never tried it. You've never seen it. Oh my no. goodness. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I want to try that one. I've never tried that. And then ah, you got to throw in like some sprint and stuff. I, I like the 200 because it's like, you, you don't, it, it, it's a full out sprint, but it's not like to the point where you're just your legs go go numb and you, you like that galactic acid just starts building up. Like yeah. I don't know if you've ever run a four hundred. There, that's that, that's a, that's a quarter that's track, lap. right? Oh, yeah, it's one, one lap. One okay. lap. Yeah, um, that the four hundred is just terrible. It's just brutal. But I I, I like the two hundred. I throw in like maybe maybe like a probably discus. It's like throwing a frisbee. Maybe I could do that one. I've I've never tried it. Uh, I don't know. Um, pole vault. I always thought pole vault was really cool. Like if I ever needed to escape from like a situation, I could just like pole vault. What out kind of there. situation would you need to pole vault your way out of? I, mean, I don't know. Running running from you know twelve or something. I, I, don't, I don't know <laughs> like something. But yeah, probably one of those. Maybe wrap it up with like I don't I don't even know. I'm trying to think of another one. Maybe like 100 meter hurdles, even though I'd, those would be tough. But I just don't want to do the 300 meter hurdles because it's like running a 400, but you got to hurdle over stuff. So I don't know. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I was not expecting. Caught me off guard. Yeah. Um, but yeah, get your inner 300 going. Track and field back in action this weekend. Uh, I believe it starts tomorrow, right? Down in Boulder, a big one yep. at the indoor, uh, Colorado Indoor Invitational. So. Anytime you go to Boulder, yeah, yeah. it brings out that competitive edge. Well, swim and dive got to have a chance with another rival. It was Pack the Pool and Senior Day last weekend for them as they hosted UNC at Moby for the final home event of the year and a good way to finish it, Austin. Yeah, dominating fashion mm-hmm. on on a Senior Day too. That's always got to feel nice. You you always want to have just like a I don't want to say easygoing because you you don't want to like go in there just kind of lackadaisical, but like just a dominating finish. Cause then like we were reading the articles and it's, it's about, it, it was definitely about the seniors. That was a story and they, they got to have their moments. They did the pregame stuff with their families and everything. So it, it's always a, a good atmosphere, not, not only on senior day, but when you get the job done and you can take, take that little, you know, breath of fresh air when you're done. A pretty solid day for the swim and dive team, or I guess the dive team who was at Air Force um, this afternoon, and a couple of good performances from them. They, I believe, are doing that tomorrow and Saturday as well, so a lot of diving to be done for this CSU swim and dive team. Yeah, absolutely, and I'm curious to see what the, that uh, – I want to see what that Air Force diving facility looks like because yeah. when we were there for volleyball, I mean, they had, they had so many different facilities. They boxing. The bo- yeah, the yeah. boxing, the, a separate – a volleyball stadium i mean it wasn't like a huge arena but i mean it it was still nice they had a nice scoreboard the, yeah. the court was nice i was just watching women's basketball the other night that that court looked really nice too so i mean they they definitely got some good uh uh facilities up there in colorado springs well you brought up women's basketball they lost last night at air force we talked about if you are um up to date with our podcast at kcsufm.com or on spotify we just put up our january recap and we talked about the Air Force game that took place in January between these two teams. It was an electric game. A lot of scoring from the two um, point guards for Air Force and Madison Smith and for McKenna Hofschild here of CSU. And not the same game 
last night in the rematch between those two teams. Yeah, not a not a typical showing from this Rams offense. I mean, only only 14 points in the in the first quarter or no first, first half. half first half. Yeah, um, and they the reason why I, I think I messed that up is like we've seen them put up 14. Yeah, the, in a in a quarter that was their lowest uh, offensive output this season. I I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't say it's a, a reason for concern. You know, you have your bad games. And also, something that's enlightening, they did cut it back to, like, less than five. They made a push. They just couldn't finalize that push. So they did get their offense going back together. But it, it, it was just too little too late. And you, you don't expect to win games, especially on the road, um, only scoring 14 and a half. Yeah, the Rams were outscored in every single quarter. Quarter number one, 13 to eight in favor of the Falcons, eight to six in the second quarter, 20 to 19 in the third quarter, the highest quarter uh, scoring quarter of the night. And then in the fourth quarter, the Rams out, got outscored once again, 18 to 16. So not one quarter went in the favor of the Rams. And when you have a slow start like that, you can't have that. And a 19-point quarter, not bad. If you could score 19 in every quarter, you're putting up nearly 80 points in a game. Um, that's going to win most nights, especially in this Mountain West Conference and the women's side of things. But they put up 14 in the first half, eight and six. I mean, those are wild. Six points in a single quarter, especially for this offense that can get going. Um, has plenty of, you know, they have plenty of weapons. They have, you know, they're back to full strength now. Hannah Ronzik's back in the lineup. Um, Marta Lamini is also back in the lineup. So, I mean, this is not a team that's really lacking the scorers. It was just a team that was lacking the scoring last night. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I was watching that game, and the, the lack of scoring was kind of uh, surprising just because the Rams' defense, they were they were getting the job done. They were getting some steals and, and pushing the tempo. They just couldn't, couldn't get the ball in the basket. Yeah, and it wasn't a big night for Air Force either. They just put up 59 points. Madison Smith, we mentioned, she had 31 points in the first meeting. She got two last night. So, um, I mean, maybe some game plan to kind of shut that thing down. Leading scores for um, Air Force was Perry with 16 and McMillan, Dasha McMillan with 13. And other than that, those are the only two in double digits for Air Force. Yeah, it was still enough to get past the Rams, who uh, their only um, double-digit score was McKenna Hofschild with 24. Yeah, and uh... – you, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe uh, the the Rams were a little tired after selling out Moby, yeah. and, and maybe, maybe you know, just had it was a kind of an energy thing, just starting out slow. Not, not really too sure. I, I don't know. We haven't seen that from this Rams team, so I, I'd be keeping my eye on it, just seeing how these starts go, because that could be uh, detrimental for teams going into some games, some some uh matchups where you need to start off hot to stay in the game because there are some i mean let's just face it air force isn't one of the better teams in no, the, in the conference not. and if you're having a slow start against them how, how are we going to look against some of these top uh teams in the mountain west well and they're going to get a look here in a couple of weeks at unlv they do return home on saturday the women's side does against san diego state that game is a pink out game 1 p.m should be a lot of fun and a big one, a big bounce back game for the women on Saturday. You going to that one? I will be there. Yeah, I, I think, I, and it's a pink out. A pink out. I'll be wearing I pink. Got, I got one shirt that's pink. It's like a, a schmedium, but I'll, I'll I'll put it on. You'll look beautiful. Yeah, thank you. Fresno State will then also come to town next Wednesday. That'll be at 6.30. So you get two home games, but then you have to hit the road, and you have to go to New Mexico, and then you have to go to UNLV, who is by far and away the number one team in this conference. Yeah, absolutely. UNLV, they've just been – making a statement in the Mountain West Conference on the women's side. They are the best team in the conference. The only team that's really getting close to them is Wyoming, but we've seen Wyoming struggle. They they could be exposed if you do. Uh, I'm blanking on her name, the their star player. 
for Wyoming. Yeah. Oh goodness. Oh, you just uh, Fertig. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if they the you know they get they shut her down like the Rams did for three and a half quarters, could be a bad game. But she does have that star power yeah. to uh, ignite the offense and and stay resilient in games. So definitely got to watch out for Wyoming. But yeah, UNLV one of the top teams in the Mountain West. Yeah, this is not a Mountain West like on the men's side that is completely wide open. UNLV is I feel far and away better than most of these teams, if not all the teams in the Mountain West. And the Rams are one of the ones that are supposed to be able to have the power to um, dethrone UNLV, the back-to-back Mountain West champions. Um, and they look to do so again this year. Uh, but the Rams now sitting at 4-5 and five in the conference and does not look you know, super pretty at times, but that's not to say they can't turn around with a big one against San Diego State on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. You got, you got a big game at home on San Di- at San Diego State or hosting San Diego State and – Kind of like the men's team, you're at the point where you got a lot of games left, but you also this is the time that you kind of want to start putting some wins together, building that confidence, uh, and have some momentum heading into that Mountain West Conference tournament. Because, like we've seen in multiple years past in college basketball, you name the division, the conference, the tournament, whatever. It, it's about these teams that make that run late in the season that make a difference. KCSU thanks Northern Colorado businesses, the Comedy Fort, Nick's Italian Sandwich Shop, Hot Corner Concepts, which includes Comet Chicken and Big Al's, for the support during our semi-annual DJ-a-thon fundraiser last semester. Their, con- their contributions directly support projects at KCSU and all Rocky Mountain Studio Media outlets. Well, Austin, you mentioned the men's basketball team. They got a big win on Tuesday. We'll talk about that and hear a little bit from head coach Nico Medved after the break. But first, just got paid by NSYNC here on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. Welcome back to Ramblers on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. If you want to join in on the conversation at all, we do have a text line 970-538-5278. Once again, that's 970-538-5278. And as Austin alluded to in the last break, CSU basketball, men's basketball that is, back in the win column after a frustrating loss, to say the least, on Saturday night. Yeah, probably like one of the worst ways to lose a basketball game. You got the leads like very late and you just have a collapse, a monumental collapse and walk away with an L when, I mean, you had you had that Wyoming team, uh, you know, deer in the headlights. It, it, the game was over. We were sitting there. We, we, we wrote up an article. If you want to check it out, you can head at, head up to uh, KCSUFM.com. But uh it was just like we, you put your laptop away. There was Wyoming fans heading for the exit rows. There, there was just, you know, it just seemed like the Rams were going to take it away. They had a minute and eleven seconds left, up eleven. That's a, that's a great lead to have going into it, and you know, just missed free throws, some uh, missed you know, rebounds, missed rebounds, and and I mean, Wyoming hit some big shots. They stayed clutch, but. It was just one of those games where you're just walking away. You felt defeated. I mean, we, we hung out to watch the uh, championship games for the NFL. Yeah. And, like, we were talking about it. We were like, we, we felt defeated. Like, we kind of hung over, like an emotional hangover on yeah. Sunday. It was just kind of disbelief yeah. on Sunday at that point. I mean, that's exactly what a loss like that is. Like you said, up 11 with 71 seconds left. I mean, some teams wouldn't even foul down 11 with 71 seconds left. Some, some teams would just let it go. Wyoming didn't. And it ended up being a win for them and a devastating loss um at least as it stood at the moment for csu yeah we i mean and we we talked to the 
to Nico Medved after the game. He was frustrated, rightfully so. And, right. and uh, Patrick Cartier, he, you know, it was like it's like we were walking around and it, it felt it, there was just you know something in the air, like we're walking on eggshells. Like I, it was an intimidating spot to be for us because oh, yeah. we're just like hey we need we need to get a quote here and get a quote and you know get what we're gonna ask you we're gonna <laughs> yeah. talk about the the collapse. the collapse yeah so well it was a rough 72 hours for the team as they prepared for the reigning or the runner-up for the national championship uh last year san Diego state on tuesday and nico medved talked about that after the game on tuesday about those 72 hours and what it was like for him and the team it was as difficult of a trip down the highway uh, as I've had. I'm glad my kids had their earphones on. Um, I just, you felt everything. You're angry, you're frustrated, you're bitter, you're just really sad. You know, I mean, it was, that, that's a hard deal, you know, and um, I think, you know, you get home, you process, and you, you try to catch your breath. You talk to people and your mentors and people in your life who you trust the most. Um, I've always learned when you're really emotional. Um, and stuff like that, the best thing you can do is not say too much or say anything. That's advice for everybody, all right, by the way, uh, uh, um, to, to get uh, um, uh, emotional. And, you know, we slept on it. And, and, and I woke up the next morning, and it was beautiful. I mean, I had so many great messages and texts from people that I really care about and reached out. And I woke up really ready to come in on Sunday and get back with this group. And I knew the number one thing is we had to repair these guys emotionally, right? And, and for us, it was just we talked a lot, you know, and talked a lot about it. Um, we weren't going to dwell on it or anything like that. You, know, you don't go in and try to shame these guys for what they did. They all know. Everybody else tries to shame them, but they, they know the deal. They care. They hurt. Um, we talked a lot about life, and I talked to them about how, you know, you don't get many texts after those games, right? You don't get a lot of words of encouragement or hang in there, but who were the people that did for you? And family friends close I told those are the people that matter the most those are the people in your circle those are the people that have your back okay when things get difficult I said remember that and remember other people you tune out that other stuff and that's head coach Nico Medved and you want to know why that guy has had a lot of success in his career it's because of thoughts and the his maturity to have those thoughts because what did he tell the team we, Patrick Cartier said it after when we got to talk to him after the game at Wyoming and he said the same thing he said I propose a challenge to these guys at this moment we're all down we're all beaten we're all frustrated with what just happened here but you guys have two options you can either splinter off and this can be a lost season or you guys can come together and really do something great. And that's exactly what they did on Tuesdays. Come together and they did something great. They led the entirety of the game outside of a couple of seconds that uh, San Diego State kind of made things interesting there in the second half. But a 79 to 71 finish and a dominant win over the uh, national champion runner up. Yeah. And if, you know, they, they bounce back exactly how they should have because, I mean, that a loss like that can, you know, really derail affect, your season. Yeah. yeah. It, it can totally especially against a rival like Wyoming in a, in a game that you know you should have won. Um, and, and the way they just bounce back from just adver that, straight up adversity because, it, it, like, it's not the cl cliche of us against the world. It's just, you know what, all we have is each other. We got to come together right now um, because if we don't, the season's going to end. I mean, even if even if we do, the season's still going to end. How are we going to go out? We're going to go out like champs. And that, that's what they did. They they went out, and you can just tell. Honestly, th this team looked like that that early season during yep. the non conference uh, play that we saw. That that's what this team looked like against San Diego State. 
They looked real good. And that's one of the things that I've been talking about for about a month now is, oh, let's not worry about, you know, the loss at Utah State, the loss at Boise, because you know what? They're going to come home. They're going to have a chance to get it right. And then they didn't against Air Force. They, you know, gutted out a, a rough win. Then UNLV, oh, this is a chance to be packed house Friday. No reason to not come out flying and looking like yourself again. And then they didn't. It was still kind of slow and sluggish, and they had to grit out another one. And then you go on the road and get beat up by Nevada. And then you go on the road and have the collapse at Wyoming. And that's kind of when I started thinking it's, it's time to start panning. And if you think anything different, you're lying to yourself. You are maybe delusional. Because if you weren't a little panicked, at the very least, after Saturday, I don't know what, you're been, what you've been watching. And I, you can stick up for me on this one. I, yeah. I've tried to be optimistic about the bounce back for over the month. And it finally came to fruition at the most crucial moment, the most important game of their season. And not only did they bounce back, they looked, like you said, exactly like they looked when they were the 13th team in this country and when they were the team that was supposed to be a top four to five seed in the Mountain in the March Madness tournament come later this year, and they were back. Yeah. And they bounced back after one of the most crucial losses and the biggest game, and that's gotta, you gotta, that speaks volumes to what this program is. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Nick Clifford set the tone for that game, too. 100%. He came out hot. Yep. I think, what, he had like 10 of that uh, 21 uh, yeah, he was, was like 27, 21 offensive to seven. rebounds were yeah. huge. He was just, he was going nuts. He set the tone. And then, you know, Isaiah Stevens, he did what he needed to do. Our star players, they, they set the, the tone and it, it got other uh, people juiced up. Uh, Josiah strong. He had some big defensive stops, especially late game. But I mean, he was playing good defensively throughout that game. And yeah, I just think our star players played great. And, and dude, you gotta give, that uh, you got to give the props to our interior defense, man, because Car- I, we don't win. We don't that we probably uh, that game gets a little more interesting if they have some trouble. They get into some foul trouble, but they they just stood strong in the paint. Um, Memba and Cartier held uh, uh, Ladie, yep. the San Diego State's leading scorer, leading scorer in the Mountain West Conference, fifteenth score 15. on the nation. Yeah, they they held him to two points in the first half, thirteen total. For yeah, the 40 thirteen minutes. total. I mean that. Nobody's been able to do that, no. and and our defense just showed out. So that that was a huge win, and yeah, they they look like they're getting back on track. I'm excited for uh, uh, to see what they do in Fresno because I I think Fresno State is not on the same level as us. Not even close. I, I think this should be one of those games where we just go in there, let them know who we are, get get the job done on the road, and and head home because I still think that this team has a chip on their shoulder. Because we lost the ranking, um, and we haven't won a game on the road, so I, I think this is a big game just to kind of you know solidify and and shut up any haters that are like you know counting us out. A hundred percent, and yeah, like you said, Ladie held the thirteen points. He averages almost twenty one a night. So and he's built, dude. He's a positioning coach. I need to yeah, hit him up, dude. They're, they're they're doing something right over there. They got something in the water in yeah. San Diego. That's that's a big dude. But yeah, I mean, it's a, a what a way to bounce back and. It went from pressing the panic button on after Saturday's loss to a big win, and it's the way they won. They only trailed for, I think, 20 or 30 seconds in the entire game. And, you know, Coach Medved called that timeout when they went up. You came out, got the ball to Cartier. He puts you in the lead. Neat Clifford hits another insane dunk on the baseline, and then they never looked back. It was That was wraps. And that's what they were doing 
during you know this run that got them to the top 15 in the country for a couple of weeks there in the fall and the winter and they're back to that and now you look ahead to like you said fresno state who's not this juggernaut if, you know if you look at this mount west conference this thing is loaded you've said it multiple multiple times this is one of the best conferences in basketball and college basketball right now is the mountain west men's conference and you're gonna get a chance to have a chance at one of these layup type wins on the road you have confidence rolling again and you can get your first road win this week and it's a big time for csu and you might be able to talk about them being ranked again here in the next couple of weeks if they can kind of put together a couple of wins yeah absolutely i i think you know i mean i don't i, I don't want to say that they need to be worried about a ranking no. but i mean i i'm more like if but the thing is, the ranking is going to come when we're playing the way that we know that we can play. It's not like we're playing what ifs. Like we we've seen what this team is capable of. So they they start playing like they are capable of, like we have been seeing. I mean, the sky's the limit because it, this is a dangerous team. There's going to be teams, you know. There's there's going to be fans, fan bases that are going to be mentioning that little uh, that lull that we hit. Yeah. But. I know there's going to be teams out there. They're not going to want to see us in March. That's all I'm going to be saying. If the team plays like this, this is a team that can make a nice little run in the, in, uh, the tournament come in March and April. Um, they got Boise State at home next week, too, Boise coming State off just of the Fresno. a big win, too. The biggest win maybe in the Mountain West Conference yeah. play so far this 100%. season at the pit. Yeah. Max Rice, 30-whatever points it was last night. dude. <laughs> wow, that's a guy that doesn't put pit. up 35 no. points, and no one does in that the pit. in yeah. the pit. So, yeah. I mean, it, this is a wild conference, so – I'm not going to discredit anyone for being concerned because I was definitely concerned on Saturday. Um, I, I think, but I think it's time to be optimistic. Team, I think the in the locker room they were concerned because it, absolutely it was a, it was a tough loss and that that is like a wake up call and it's like hey we need to get this going right now yeah. because it's not working what we're doing. So um, I also I want to um, I just want to say it live here. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna steal that. Uh, that recording because that's just a great uh thing what nico coach nico medved said it's just a great thing to just apply in life huge and you know anytime you know you get rejected at the bar or something or by by someone that you're attracted to you need to just listen to what coach uh medved said because you know sometimes you just gotta just think about your family who loves you and then you know just look for ways to get better and, and just keep it going you know Preach. KCSU is excited to present the Rocky Coast with Big Port or Big Pinch, excuse me, and Costanza at the Fox Theater on February 1st. That's tonight. A five-man garage rock band based out of Boulder. The Coasts have become a household name in college. House party scene for a chance to win tickets. This high-energy show text Rocky, R-O-C-K-Y, at 970-538-5278. Once again, that's Rocky, R-O-C-K-Y, to 970-538-5278 for your chance to win tickets to the show tonight. So do it quick and get yourself in the door real late. When we come back, a return of a segment from a couple weeks ago, we had a lot of fun doing it, so we'll do it again. Ridiculous or not, that's next. But first, Friendly Fire by Citizen Cope here on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. Welcome back to Ramblers on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. Caleb Allen, Austin Martin, the sports directors. Looking at another week of CSU sports and more. And without further ado, Austin, let's get into our favorite new segment. Oh, I love I, I actually I really like this segment. It's a good this one. A, this is a good one. Got a can't be a weekly one because I don't think enough ridiculous stuff happens or debatably ridiculous stuff happens every week, but I think there's plenty to talk about this week, and let's start with the one that you plugged. We'll start with Tyrese 
Halliburton. And if anyone knows anything about NBA pregame fits, players just seem to wear whatever. Whatever these fashion uh, companies are just handing out to them, yeah. it seems. <laughs> it, they, they, a lot of these guys dress themselves like uh, the little kid from Big Daddy <laughs> yes, dude. When, when he lets them dress himself. <laughs> Such a great movie, dude. Awesome movie. But Tyrese Halliburton, if you haven't seen it, you can go check out on it's all over what Twitter, yeah, um, Instagram, all that such. I did post it on my story on Instagram on as Instagram well. as yep. well. So if you are interested in under what we're talking about, Tyrese Halliburton wore almost like a old fashioned pilot jacket, green strapped at the waist, yeah, so tight and. Ridiculous or not, the fit that Tyrese Halliburton walked into his game yeah. with today. I, I, want to, I want you to go first because you just looked at it like yeah. a minute ago. Uh, oh, it's bad. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I just I can't. It looks dumb. Um, that's all I need to say. But I just some of these guys just need to learn how to dress. Yeah, I'm gonna go with not ridiculous just for the fact. I mean, I, I thought the photo was – I thought it was Photoshopped at first because yeah. his shoulders looked very broad in it. Shoulder pads. Yeah. Um, he Like, it, it made it made his uh, build look, look pretty good. And, you know what, it might – like, I don't know. It looks like it's like some sort of shark skin or something. Like, I, I would love to – like, if I'm, if I'm wearing uh, an outfit or, like, some shoes or whatever, and it's, like, some sort of animal that is, like, a terrifying animal, I, I think that just boosts – uh the the credibility with it okay yeah i don't know i i i thought it looked good i did i i will say that i thought his uh peaky blinders outfit when he was on the sideline he he missed a game i thought that looked really good i liked it and i love that show they're ridiculous man (laughs) ridiculous outfits just dress normal dress dress like decent you know nicole Jokic walks in the arena and he just looks sharp looks nice and you get some dudes coming in in sweats totally fine you're going to a basketball game but lebron uh, wore shorts with the suit yeah it's weird (laughs) that that was ridiculous i just i feel like it's a secret cult of who can dress the most ridiculous and i think tyrese halliburton takes the cake this week that's a part of fashion like how ridiculous can i look to stand out and like it's like, yeah, you do – it's like individualism, but it's also like you just look crazy yeah. sometimes. Wear what you want unless you wear what <laughs> the NBA players are wearing because those guys have no idea how to dress. So ridiculous or not all-star games. We're not talking anything um, specifically. We're just talking about all of them. NFL um, Pro Bowl week is started tonight with a skills challenge. They'll play this weekend in the flag football competition. NBA all-star teams were just announced with the reserves and NHL all-star week is ongoing at the moment. They just selected teams for this weekend's events. Ridiculous or not all-star games. I, I think they're getting to the point with it where they are getting ridiculous in the bad way too, because yeah. there, there just doesn't seem to be a lot of incentive going into it. Like the, the NFL, they're making change. Like they're just playing flag football and, and before flag football, it was like a flag football game. They had the pads on, but nobody was really hitting each other. Yep. Um, which rightfully so. I mean, you don't want it is a somewhat meaningless game, and a lot of players were sitting out b- beforehand due due to a former format of having it after <laughs> the Super Bowl, and and teams that were just playing over the weekend they they opted out. Um, and then the same with the NBA, they they got away with going against East versus West. And I, I think that kind of hurt too. There's got to be some sort of incentive. Isn't there an incentive where whoever wins gets home field advantage? That's in baseball. That's in baseball. I, yeah. I like that. 
I think out, I, out of I don't I, out of all the All Star Game festivities, I think baseball is the front runner in the best one out of no. the major. Well, hockey is pretty sick. Hockey has been doing it right, but I just think overall, I think these All Star Games are getting a little ridiculous. Yeah, I've never been a fan. I thought Pro Bowls when I was younger were okay for the NFL. I used to love NHL ones, but as for home field advantage being decided for or through an all-star game i think it's ridiculous especially i mean think about i mean how many times in recent years has like a wild card team in the mlb made the playoff push made it to the world series and now if you know like last year was the dimebacks if the nl won the um all-star game well then the dimebacks who had you know 20 games less than i think it was what the astros that they were playing last year or whatnot i don't, yeah. I don't oh, know no, no the rangers the rangers yeah um the Rangers had 20 plus games on them, but because if the NL were to win, the yeah. you know they'd have to go travel four times. It's just kind of stupid. I understand why you want to do it because you want the All Star game to be competitive, but find ways to do it. The NBA did it with the end season tournament. They found a Which way. I thought it was pretty good. They did really yeah. well with it because they incentivized it by yeah. you know paying up some money. I think each player made what five hundred thousand on the winning team or whatever it was. So, so yeah, um, I mean they gave them incentive to play hard in those games, um, and you can do the same thing with all star games. I think they're ridiculous. I used to love the NHL ones. I try to watch last season's NHL All Star Weekend. I used to love the shootout thing. It's yeah. like the dunk uh, dunk dunk contest, but you know, hockey version. Yeah, um, I think they are ridiculous. They're not fun, and quite frankly, the NHL one, I mean, every 15 seconds is another two-minute commercial, and it's just it's become so commercialized, and it's not so much about promoting your stars and stuff. Uh, I just, it's, I, you know, how can we sell another jersey? How can we, yeah. you know, get more money from our fans? And um, I think they're kind of pointless. I don't pay. I didn't even know the NFL one was going on today. Yeah, the jerseys have just been abysmal, too. Yeah. I, do, I do miss the days when the NBA was, they'd wear their, uh, teams jerseys those that that's when yeah, like the NBA all-star yeah, yeah. games were good yeah um i think it was like 2003 that was the that's the only nba all-star game that went to overtime and it was an, an electric overtime yeah I, like, or, I mean electric all-star game i but. think nba does the best when it comes to their all-star stuff because they've implemented different rules um like what is it like you play three quarters in the fourth quarter you have to get to a certain point yeah. and never gets that the, the so fourth see, quarters are usually electric because it's yeah. like that's when they start d and up they start playing defense yeah, exactly. and they're all playing for something once again the nba is incentivizing them by the winning team getting an x amount of money or whatever yeah. it is so if that's what gets the guys up and going sure let's do that um i don't really see the all-star game translating well to more fizz sports where you know you're gonna get tackled if you're playing football and stuff i know last year a lot of fans enjoyed the flag football version for the nfl we'll see how it goes i didn't watch it i'll try to watch Can't it this week for the maybe Olympics. got a lot of stuff going on that uh all-star games are not really on my radar this week so yeah i think yeah. we both agree ridiculous the, the the flag football does have an extra incentive because now we're starting to see how these players are going to be uh gelling for the Olympics because yeah. I can't wait for that. And I, I was thinking about it. I think we could put out a t an Olympic gold team that is full of high school players to win the Olympics. We could, 100%. Ridiculous or not, Austin's dumb take right there. <laughs> no, what, that you think high facts. school students can put together a flag football team and go overseas and compete with professional athletes? Yes. In flag football, yes. Dude, nobody's playing football. Yeah, I know, but these are professional athletes. And you're just gonna go grab, you know, the the best let's, ten high school athletes and throw a team together. Let's go to let's go watch some Friday Night Lights down in Texas, and you you tell me your answer after that. That is so dumb. <laughs> I don't care how many good high school players there are in Texas. 
there's still only a certain percentage of those guys that will make it to the college. There's only a certain amount of those guys that make it professionally. That's what I'm and saying. Well, the players could, they were playing against are professionals. It's a dumb take. No, we could put together a team. That's worse than your coin toss take. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> that one's bad. Ridiculous or not, the NBA 65-game rule this year, Joel Embiid going to be the first victim, it looks like, of the 65-game rule. He now has a torn meniscus, as it was just announced a couple hours ago, and will miss probably a couple of weeks and will then make him ineligible for any all-star, um, not all-star, all-pro um, in all league teams, as well as an MVP. Ridiculous or not, the 65-game NBA rule. It's not ridiculous. And I, I know how everyone feels out here in Denver, right, rightfully so. I mean, Nikola Jokic is the best player in basketball. doesn't matter how you look at it. It's not ridiculous because I think it's like 80% of your games is 65. Yep, 80%. Yeah. I mean, you go to any job and you tell your boss, hey, I'm only going to show up for 80% of work and – I expect you to pay me the same. They, you, you, you wouldn't have a yeah. job there. They would yeah. say no. They'd either say, "Hey, you're working here all the time," or whatever. Um, and you know, vacation times in uh, the United States of America—that is a uh, heavily. You know, we should get more days off, but that, that's that's another topic. But I, I think it's not ridiculous, just because if we're talking about most valuable player, you're not even available. Like the best. Uh, what, what's the phrase? It's like the best, best available. The best ability is availability. Exactly. Yeah. There you go. Thank you. And if you're if you're not around, you, you shouldn't be able to win these awards because he, these awards, like a most valuable player, is somebody that's in there and they're valuable to your team. Like yeah. I, I don't understand how this could be considered ridiculous. And I mean, it was. I think it was about five years ago, Kawhi Leonard won defensive player of the year and he only played 50 games. Yeah. Like I, that's ridiculous. Yeah. He, he wasn't even around. Like how, how can you say he's a defensive player of the year? Yeah. A lot of people that are arguing against this 65 game rule, which I do not think is ridiculous at all. Um, but a lot of people that are complaining about this or, you know, pointing to like Carl Malone's when he played whatever, 62 games or whatever it was. And LeBron James, and he had a lockout shortened season. He won the MVP. Well, all those guys, played in 82 or 83 percent or more of their games in those seasons those were shortened seasons by covid those were shortened seasons by the lockouts and those that's why it's the game so i think the thing you have to look out here is 80 percent yeah 65 sure takeaway. sounds bad right yeah oh you can only miss 17 games what if someone gets hurt and you know for the other 60 whatever games that they ended up playing they played really well uh, sorry but if you're not available for 80 percent of the games I think that's a pretty fair number to say that, yeah, like you're not the the MVP or whatever. And like you said, you're not going to get paid as much if you don't uh, MVPs. I, and this is a bad thing about NBA contracts, MVPs, all NBA teams, things like that actually do um, trigger incentives and max contracts and things like that, that you can get in your NBA contract. And yeah, sure. I, I don't like that side of it, but that's, you're going to lose money if you're not available for these games. So then it gives them incentive to then play these games, especially when you're dealing with the load management and stuff like that. And that's the whole issue. And that's the whole reason these rules were implemented. I love this rule, not just because it's burning Joel Embiid, but because Joel Embiid is not the only one sitting out of games. He's not the only one that hasn't been playing. This has been a problem for a decade or more now. Yeah. And the, the load, like going back to the load management stuff, I mean, that also hurts your fans too, because yep. there, there's fans that travel to games. I mean, if, if we want to go to a, a Nuggets game, I mean, that's uh, an hour down and an hour back of, of yeah. driving. I mean, plus and, cost and plus, of ticket, cost of, you know, parking, cost yeah, of all concessions, that stuff. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. And um, I mean, fans put their hard work and money into it. And, and then you show up to a game and it's like, oh, the load management, they're taking a rest. It's like, dude. 
come on, this yeah. was going to be a big game. And I, 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 uh, called out of work, you know, whatever, whatever he did, took time off to go watch, you know, these incredible athletes. And it, it is frustrating for the fans and it hurts the NBA money because then not as many people are buying tickets cause, or they're waiting to buy tickets, uh, to hear, uh, who's playing because I mean, I, like if, if, if I'm going to a game where the Lakers are playing, I, I want to see LeBron James. Right. You know, I want to. I want to see Anthony Davis if they're healthy. I don't want. I don't want to say that. I don't want to put the pressure on these athletes to go out and play hurt or anything. But if they can play, I want to see them play. Yeah. I think, and that's that's their role. I mean, not their role, but I mean that's what they do. Is they entertain. That that's the whole nature of the business, and when they're not out there, that's not entertaining. Yeah, and I grew up a Nuggets fan, and forever the Nuggets were not good. So a lot of guys wouldn't play against the Nuggets because they didn't have to for their team to get a win. Um, so that was the first part of the conversation when it came to load management. It was oh, these guys aren't playing because they don't have to play against our garbage team. But you're buying tickets when the Nuggets weren't good. You were buying tickets to go see the stars come into your building and watch them play. Now it's the exactly. other way. Now the Nuggets are really good. Teams are like, ah, it's a loss on the road most times anyway. Let's not <laughs> kind of push our guys. So now the guys are sitting out still from playing in Denver because there's no point in playing here because even if you play, you will probably end up losing. And, you know, if you're slightly banged up, it's a good day to rest. So I think anything to make the load management issues in the NBA kind of resolve is a good thing. I think 80% of your games is asking. Honestly, I feel like that's very lenient. Um, to only play 80%. I mean, if we showed up to work only 80%, there's not a lot getting done and not a lot that we deserve in terms of compensation. So both and, of us are on the same page on that one. Five Embiid, plus teams. Embiid, come to Denver. We're, wait, we're waiting. It's been four years. It's going to be That's six years by the time. Years, but yeah. It'll be six years next year. Come on, dude. We'll see. He's questionable next year. Five plus Mountain West Conference teams in the tournament, the NCAA tournament. Is that ridiculous or not? No, it's not ridiculous, man. I mean, look at look at the teams that we're talking about here. Utah State. I mean, they're they're leading the conference right now. They're they're an incredible team. You got Boise State, New Mexico, San Diego State, who just you know last year were the runner ups in the tournament. The yep. whole thing. Yep. And Colorado State, we're we were ranked as high as thirteen. We had a little lull, but we're coming back into it. And there's these three teams that are on the bubble. You would say uh, you got Wyoming's up there. You got UNLV. I don't I don't think Wyoming's gonna be up there it's not because i'm still hurt it's just i don't know i'm looking at these other teams unlv they could possibly make a run they got some scores nevada they were ranked earlier in the season they did they have been kind of getting smacked as of late but i mean there there are some solid teams in this conference i don't think it's ridiculous at all and it should they they should have five of these teams in there because yep. they deserve it. They, the non-conference has also been really crazy as a whole for the mountain West. It's not ridiculous at all. And five plus teams. I'm right there with you. I don't think it's ridiculous at all. Um, because I think six teams could even end up even seven. I really could be. I'm, I'm could. dead serious it, because it, no, it, could, yeah. it could be six teams in the mountain West that put together really good resumes. You listed five that those first five you listed with CSU, San Diego state, Boise state, Utah state, and um, New Mexico, all five of those teams, I think could easily get in with nice, you know, finish, just basic finishes, average finishes here through conference play. Well, then you get another bubble team 
depending on what happens in other conference tournaments, and then you get bid stealers. If you have someone like a Wyoming who maybe comes in and plays really well and wins four or five or three or four games in the Mountain West tournament, they steal a bid. Well, I guess you're not going to just bump out another Mountain West team. You're going to bump out one of those lower edge conference can really produce, you know, anywhere from five to seven um, based on, you know, it might cannibalize itself, which could be, you know, the problem for a conference that's so uh, stacked like this. I think if all these teams are spread amongst different G5, maybe lower P5 conferences, I think it's no question that all these teams find a way into the tournament. Um, but I absolutely think that at least five Mountain West Conference teams will get in, and I wouldn't be surprised to see six if there was a bid stealer. Yeah, and, and what's also enlightening for a Mountain West Conference team, or for that many Mountain West Conference teams getting in, a lot of these guys that uh, are a part of making these decisions, they 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 see that like the Mountain West is getting a lot of recognition. And I mean, I've been saying it. The the only conference. I think that you can make an argument that is better than the Mountain West top to bottom is the Big 12. Sure. And, but you looking at you're looking at the the ACC, they're having a down year. They're not as strong. The, the Pac-12, it's very top heavy. You got Arizona up there and then who else really? Kind of it. Yeah. yeah. And then uh I mean a lot of, like the Big 10 is it's 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 all right. I mean it's kind of top heavy as well, but you're looking at the Mountain West and Big 12, those are like the two deepest conferences in the nation right now. Taylor Swift has a interesting schedule here in a couple of weeks. She'll be playing her final show of her largely, um, or her large rather tour, the Eras tour in Japan. She does that, I believe, it's Saturday in Japan, which would mean Friday here in the states, and the next day is the Super Bowl. The plans that she would have to do, she has to, you know, finish her show, jump on a flight, like what is it, sixteen-hour flight from Japan to Las Vegas. And then she would arrive just in about you know a day, 24 hours or so before the start of the Super Bowl. Ridiculous or not, the fact that Taylor Swift could and probably will do this in her travel plans for the it, Super Bowl. It's not ridiculous, man. I mean, if you if do that, like if if anybody had that opportunity, game like that, it, it's you got to take it. Yep. And she has that opportunity. It's not ridiculous. And I also I want to give a shout out to these Swifties. Everyone's saying that Taylor Swift is ruining football, whatever. Dude, these Swifties had that math. As soon as the Chiefs won that game, they're like, uh, "Taylor Swift could uh, make this game." Like, they are yeah. on it. They're they're bringing more eyes to the game. Like, say what you will, but I mean, they're they're on it with this Taylor Swift stuff. And I didn't know that I needed to know how you can make that happen from a flight from Japan to yeah. Vegas. But I mean, I, I don't think it's ridiculous. And if you could do it, do it. Yeah, I don't think it's ridiculous at all. I mean, maybe for a normal human being who might be sitting in, you know, just a regular plane seat, you could be, be like, a lot of a lot of moving around, yeah. a lot of stuff. But let's not act like she's jumping on a Southwest flight to go across the world. She's going to probably be on her own that plane. G7. Probably yeah. has a bed. She could sleep. It's just going to be like sitting in an RV across the country. So if there no, was time to spare. Yeah, she's, she's got time to go hit the slots real quick before she walks in. She's yeah, she's doing just fine for herself. Go get some slips at uh, Caesars, you know? Yeah. <laughs> nice sports book there. LeBron. Uh, Rumors are starting to circulate around the NBA world that LeBron could be getting traded. And not only that, but he is the priority trade for the LA, the LA Lakers to make here before the trade deadline. Ridiculous or not? I For right now, I think it's ridiculous. I, I You brought that to my attention, and it, it is a good source that you brought up. They, they predicted the Kawhi Leonard trade yeah. that you are talking about uh, a few years back. Um, I, I just think it's ridiculous because I, I think – that the Lakers should be holding off on trading LeBron until once draft gets going down, because I, I do think that there's going to be teams that are willing to uh, make a big trade to get LeBron. Um, 
and that could be just big. I mean, he's still playing at a high level. To, you know, you, you draft Bronny, you get some uh, publicity going, and you get you still get LeBron that can put in some work, you know, maybe get 20 a night still. Um, I, I would think it's ridiculous for the Lakers to do that right now. And especially, like, I mean, you're watching Lakers ball. LeBron is, you know, he, he he's still getting the job done at his age, so. So this is from David Pingalore, who works for KTLA in Los Angeles. He, like I, uh, you mentioned, was all over the Kawhi Leonard to the Clippers thing a couple of years ago. One of the only people to report that prior um, when everyone was reporting Lakers. He said Clippers, um, and he was the only one that was right. So this is a tweet from David Pingalore. Top of the Lakers list to trade is King James, a 39-year-old. Plinka's looking for the right team to dance and is, look, is close to a suitor. And they're holding LeBron out right now, too, which is typically what happens at a trade. I'm going to say this. It's not ridiculous. And why? It's clearly not working with the Lakers. The Lakers might miss the playoffs this year. This was supposed to be the year that they came back. They bounced back. They took notes, right? They listened to everything the Nuggets were saying all offseason and all the things that the NBA world was saying about them all offseason. They took notes on it, and it's not working still. Um, so while you can, like you said, LeBron's still playing good basketball. He's a hot trade commodity because – if you get LeBron, you also get his son, Bronny James, who, you know, might be a, you know, generational, not generational talent, but a, a good talent in the draft this upcoming year. So and it's ticket a, sales. Good, exactly. Yeah. It's a good trade piece for you if you're trying to get your franchise back in, you know, relevance, or if you're trying to get over the hump for a championship, LeBron could be looking for another team to get to another championship. And if you're L.A., you have a chance to cash in and really start setting yourself up for the future because right now you don't have anything. You've traded everything away for LeBron and his visions over the last couple of years. And now you got a chance to maybe get rid of LeBron and kind of get some assets. And this isn't happening without LeBron's say. Like, this is probably something that if it is actually going down behind the scenes, LeBron's there talking about it and trying to get his way out as well. Yeah, and I mean, it does make sense because, I mean, you pro you don't – you I don't know because he, he is old, man, and, like, he can't bank on LeBron – coming in and uh putting in that work still you know what year 22 or whatever yeah. it is you know and, and i mean he is playing well so like no better time than now especially if you're thinking about the future for the lakers which they should be i mean they're one of the you know bigger franchises in the league and yep. they have that money to move around um it, it does make sense but i, I don't know we'll see I, I don't know should be a fun one i was not expecting to read that on my timeline today. And once again, from a very uh, reliable source yeah. in the NBA and specifically the LA NBA market market. Finally, Sean O'Malley, the bantamweight champion of the world, supposedly, and some people's minds got his title shot that got him to win the title a couple of months ago because he has face tattoos. Ridiculous or not. I'm going to, I'm kind of on the fence with this one. I I can see it being ridiculous, but I could also, I mean, it's also not ridiculous because whether or not he got the title shot because of his face tattoos, I mean, he, he still got the title shot and he won yep. in dominating fashion too. Yep. And, and to, to say that that's the reason why he got his title shot. I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't really believe that. Um, he, he strung some wins together and I mean, he, in the UFC, we've seen it time and time again, like you do get, uh, you do get favoritism if you can sell fights and, and that business. is a part of it. Yeah, it is a business. Um, but I also, I can understand, uh, uh, cause it was Corey Sanhagen's Corey, comment. Yep. Yeah. His comments, Colorado guy. Um, I, I get, he, he should be feeling like that. And, and he, he has gotten, he's putting some wins together and he, he feels that he deserves it. And I, I'd be upset too in the band weight division because 
What what was Cheeto Vera ranked? He was he was like out of the top five in rankings, and now he gets a title shot because yep. this is the fight that uh, Sean O'Malley allegedly lost. You know, if there's an asterisk <laughs> on that. Um, but I I'm gonna I'm gonna be kind of on both sides because I I do get Corey Sandhagen's comments because he he should feel like he he's getting uh you know pushed aside for whatever reason because there there was. You could you could make a case for three different fighters in that bantamweight division. It's it's a loaded division, and you get a guy that's out of the top five getting the title shot. I, I'd be I'd be beside myself too. Yeah, I'm, Corey Sandhagen came out and said that it's you know famous guy leverage, um, just because of his reach. And at the end of the day, it's a business, and the UFC is trying to drive the eyeballs to the pay per views and get people to buy those pay per views and watch them. And Sean O'Malley's that guy. Not to mention, by the way, this guy. Knocked out the number one contender in Peter Yan, or not knocked out, went to um, decision rather with him and then knocked out the champion. So it's not like he's not deserving of the title shot. And it's not like he's only got there because of his image and his reach with, you know, social media and such. He's done it because his work as well. And he was promised when he accepted the Peter Yan fight last year, you win this fight, you get the title shot. And that's how it worked out. And, you know, for Corey Sanhagen, I would get this from, you know, someone else maybe a Bilal Muhammad of the 170 division who's done everything possible in the octagon and then some to earn a title shot. And he still has yet to have one officially. Um, Sean O'Ma- or uh, Corey Sandhagen's had those opportunities already. He's had chances at the title and he missed those chances. So I don't get being sour at the end of the day. Once again, the Cheeto Vera versus Sean O'Malley matchup. It's all about that rematch. It's all about the eyes yeah. on that pay-per-view in March. Yeah. And, and to say, you know, he is Cheeto Vera is out of the top five, but I mean, this guy, he he does have championship status all over. It's not like he's an up and comer. He is a legit fighter. Um, you know what? I don't know about that fight because you know Sean O'Malley is just different now, yeah. dude. And he, he's he's one of our both of our one of our favorite fighters. 100%. Different reasons, you know. You got you got that Montana boy energy in there, yeah. you know. Shout sure. out! I think it's Haver Montana he's from. I I can't remember. I don't know. Yeah. Either way. KCSU presents North Carolina Country Quartet Mipso at the Aggie Theater on February 2nd. That's tomorrow night. This modern string quartet utilizes traditional bluegrass elements for a unique Carolina sound. For your chance to win tickets to the show, text FIDDLE to 970-538-5278. Once again, that is FIDDLE, F-I-D-D-L-E, for your chance to win tickets to the Mipso show at the Aggie Theater tomorrow night. The NFL sending two teams to the Super Bowl here in a couple weeks. We'll talk about Championship Sunday. And more coming up next on Ramblers here on 90.5 KCSU for Collins. Welcome back to Ramblers here on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. Almost out of here for the evening, but first we got to talk about the big game. The Super Bowl is all set. 49ers and the Chiefs in a rematch. From the Super Bowl in 2020, just four years ago, we get the rematch yet again. Austin, this is the Super Bowl rematch or the Super Bowl matchup that I know I picked last week when we did our picks. I'm not exactly who did you have after last uh, week? Ravens Lions. So I was 100% wrong. That's who you picked to go to the Super Bowl. Yep. How you feeling? Oh, I mean, I, I feel <laughs> fine. It's just I I, I would have liked that matchup. It would have been cool to see the Lions in there. And I, I thought, I mean, thought the rate. I mean, they played like it for you know a good amount of the that game they they played like one of the better teams and just had a ultimate collapse but um yeah this will be a fun one too because this is a rematch and a lot of the players that were a part of that game are still in it yep um there you know you got george kittle 
after after the game, confetti's falling down for the Chiefs, and he's like, "I will be back." Yeah, like this, this sucks. Yeah, you know, and I don't know. I just I love that, and to see them go at it, you got a little rivalry going here. Yeah, yeah, and it's. Uh, not one the fans are happy to see in the matchup. I think everyone wanted Baltimore and Detroit, and yeah. that just wasn't even close to happening. How are you feeling about just the matchup in general and just the teams that are going to be involved? Yeah, I think it's a good matchup. I mean, Kansas City's defense, they, they, they're they definitely, um, you know, they have the potential to at least try to slow down for the 49ers offense it's just when you on paper when you look at this offense they have a playmaker at every single position almost at all times and like unless like Ayuk or uh, Debo Samuel come out for a, a play or two like you you have a a potential threat at every single position and they are tough their fullback makes plays exactly. in the passing game it's yeah. wild every position literally every position yeah. it's uh Maybe not so much every position because, like, the Lions had Penny Sewell out going out, grabbing balls and stuff yeah. in the past game. So yeah. maybe not every position for the Niners, but every skill position, yeah. uh, the Niners have someone that can hurt you. What was your biggest takeaway from the AFC Championship game? I, I just, My biggest – oh, from the AFC? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, the AFC, I mean, if you have Patrick Mahomes at quarterback, you can get the job done. And that's not anything new, but it, it's just – he just continues to do it, man. And and my biggest takeaway from that is Mahomes is a winner, man. And and when it comes to crunch time, like th- this Chiefs team has been counted out the entire season. Like they it, rightfully so too. They didn't have a good season, but when it comes to crunch time, when it comes to the playoffs, they get the job done. Yeah, that's what exactly where I was going. I was yeah. wanting to ask if there's no Travis Kelsey on this team. I know they have Patrick Mahomes still. But Kelsey's been balling. Does dude. it? If there is no Travis Kelsey, which there probably won't be here in a couple of years. I mean, the guy's thirty-four yeah. years old. Are the Chiefs, you know, making it this far without Travis Kelsey on this particular roster? I don't know because I mean, in the playoffs, look at who has been the number one target, and it's Travis Kelsey. He yeah. had two touchdowns uh, the previous week prior to uh, playing against the. Uh, um, the Ravens, and then he had he had a big game against the Ravens too on the road. Um, yeah, that's going to be. I, I don't know how you can replace a guy like that too because he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. He, he's one of the best tight ends of all time. Um, you kind you were saying you you were kind of thinking that once Tyreek Hill left is like is this team going to be the same? Yeah, back at it again. They they've been back to the uh, the Super Bowl twice now. Well, since the, he's been they gone haven't too. been the same team since he's been gone. But like yeah, yeah they've this is two yeah. straight Super Bowls that they're going to have without Tyreek Hill on the roster, and it's a completely different way they've got there. Yeah, they've been figuring it out. I mean, you got to. I mean, that's also a part of having a great coach too. Andy Reid, he he knows how to. Uh, play to the best of his abilities with what he's got. So I I don't know. I mean, you never know too. I mean, uh, Rasheed Rice, he could be a potential star. They never know. They might get a guy in free agency or in the draft. Who who knows? They, it, it just depends. But I mean, to replace Travis Kelsey, I, I I think that's an impossible task. Yeah. Uh, without Travis Kelsey, they're not here. And yeah. oh, hundred percent. Without yeah. this defense, the Chiefs don't make it either because. Everyone's talking about Taylor Swift. Everyone's talking about Travis Kelsey's great game. Rightfully so, right? He's been really, you know, playing his best football the last two weeks. But this defense is what held them in there because yeah. they only let 10 points up in that game. The Chiefs offense didn't score a single point in that second half of the AFC Championship game. And yet here we are talking about them playing another Super Bowl. So yeah. this defense is everything 
Um, they're not beating you with the explosive plays anymore. They're not going to go up and hang up 30-plus points on you every week or whatever. So they've had a lean on that defense, and that defense has been very, very strong, and that's why they are where they are. Let's talk about the NFC Championship. What's your biggest takeaway from that one? I mean, the biggest takeaway from that one is you can win games with a, a game manager. I think that is the biggest takeaway. <laughs> I mean, no, but in all seriousness, I I just felt that – Brock Purdy, I mean, he has those weapons around him, but he was making plays, dude. He was doing the skittly doos we were talking yeah. about when we were watching the game. <laughs> like, he had guys on him, broke out of some tackles, made some incredible throws when it, when his team needed him, too. Right. Like, they, they needed to get it going. They were down, you know, whatever at half and, and had that comeback. Um, I just, yeah, I, I think the biggest takeaway is that if the, the this – 49ers team is clicking the Chiefs are in trouble because they just have all these playmakers I mean their defense is good too um Nick Bosa he he can get at the quarterback I mean we saw Fred Warner just making play after play I mean he's the heart and soul of the defense so I I don't know I just think my biggest takeaway is I mean you have a legit quarterback yeah I think that is out of the question anybody that is still on the fence about Brock Purdy just you know just say it out loud that you just don't watch football because yep. he's making plays, dude. And I, I think that was the biggest takeaway from that game. That's a hill that I have been standing on all year long with Brock Purdy, and I've been getting swords in the back from all my sports group chats and on Twitter and all this. Game manager or not, um, game manager is thrown around way too much. It, and people it's thrown are, around with a negative connotation. And people don't understand you, what it means. Exactly. And they just – game manager, at the end of the day, the best quarterbacks are game managers. Look at the Bills-Chiefs game. What did those two dudes, Mahomes and Josh Allen, what did they do the whole time? They managed the game. They weren't really leaning on them too much. The Bills were running the ball. Yeah. Josh Allen, when he had the chance, he was just making the throws he had to make, and that was it. Patrick Mahomes, he just doesn't turn it over, just kind of coasts through, and then he makes the play. What's the difference between Patrick Mahomes doing that Josh Allen doing that and Brock Purdy doing that because yeah Brock Purdy just plays within the offense has a lot of great weapons blah 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 but as you mentioned he how many, I think he got out of three sacks where that he was wrapped up he spun out and worked his way out Crazy. and either threw um, you know the, the dime to use chick on the sideline a big third down pickup he ran the ball well um, oh to the, the one where he threw it across his, the field too yeah that like ridiculous the, catch the, was it fourth down or it, it was, it was a, third down the third third and short yeah. yeah that was a crazy catch too but I mean he made that play happen because yeah, it doesn't he happen got out of there yeah and so people throwing around game manager I'm gonna let you know Tom Brady was the greatest game manager to ever <laughs> exist and if you think otherwise you're a moron and you don't watch games everyone wants to point well look at the roster look at the yeah so what he's good well, put any guy in this offense yeah anyone would be good in this offense but yeah. would any guy make those plays that he made probably not as someone who's watched Russell Wilson in a Broncos uniform the last two years not be able to get out of sacks and things like that Russell Wilson would have made the plays down the stretch of those third down plays that were crucial when you're down what was it 17 points at halftime yeah yep and you need your quarterback to make plays like that yeah. not all quarterbacks are gonna make the plays like that and those are the ones that are missed because oh look at the roster look who they have they have playmakers their position put any guy in there and i would just you don't know what you're talking about yeah plain and simple because brock purdy made plays in that game that won them that game yeah 100 percent. i think another takeaway if you're kind of on the fence about going for the chiefs i think another takeaway i mean the the 49ers the past two games have not started the game off right they I think I think that's a big takeaway. They the the Niners it, it it seemed like the Lions were 
running the ball with ease during that first half. And that's why that lead was so big. But they made the adjustments at half. Are you going to be able to do that against the Chiefs? They can run the ball. And, you know, they play well with leads. So I I don't know if that's a team you want to go down on um, early in the game. So I I, I just think that that's going to be a big takeaway is, you know, if this Niners team starts off hot, they they could be dangerous. But also – if they're sl- starting a little slow, that could be a-, a good sign if you're going for the Chiefs. And for the Niners, I think they work their way out of a funk. Yeah. I do. In that second half coming out that way. Yeah. And it, just, it seemed like they started putting it back together, not just for the first time in that game, for the first time in like a month, since probably before that Baltimore Ravens game, that was the first time the Niners looked like the Niners that we'd seen for the first, you know, thir- yeah. 15, they, 16 weeks of the they season. They got another break, though. They got an extra week. I was going to so say, so I think the Chiefs are very lucky that they don't have to play the Super Bowl this week because if yeah. they did, the Niners, I think, come in this thing rolling. 100%. I and think, you have to if, come off the bye week. Yeah, I think that bye week this season – for how these teams have been playing does have an impact yeah. because you know the Niners they got a big win down 17 and, and coming back that'd be a team that you would not want to see fresh off of a win like that but they get that extra break now and it's it, it's I wouldn't say it doesn't matter but it, it it might not have as big of an impact if it if it was a week prior yeah it's gonna be interesting to see how this one starts off because these are two teams that have been there done that the chiefs yeah. obviously have been you know five times now or yeah five times yeah. um and the niners were there a couple of years ago brock purdy is gonna be his first Super Bowl, but these are guys that have all been to the show so usually sometimes you see you know maybe a one team that's been experienced and one that's inexperienced and it kind of takes a minute to get going I don't know if that'll be the case here. I think you probably see scores in the first couple of drives, and then they kind of, the defenses will settle in. Look at the Niners' defense when they started. They couldn't figure out that Lions' offense, and then something just hit the switch, and they figured it out, and they returned back to their their old form. I think you're going to see a lot of that, um, and I think the offenses are going to kind of dictate the pace coming out the gates here. But, yeah, I think the Niners having to take a week off takes a little bit of the glisten off of uh, the little the shininess to that comeback win and kind of the momentum you built in that second half against the Lions. Yeah, absolutely, and – and then it also, I don't know. I just, I, I, I. How do you feel about the break? Because I, I kind of like it, just because it's both teams, all the, all the nicks and bruises. They, they're almost. Do you yeah. like that break? I don't, I don't like the break because of the timing. Because like, I, we, we just had, you know, a great championship weekend, and now we got to watch the Pro Bowl, and now and, and yeah. wait a week for the, the Super Bowl. So I, I don't know. I'm like mixed about it. What I hate about this break has nothing to do with the NFL. The NHL, absolute morons for timing their for timing their yeah. All Star Week this week because they this, can have just you can have all the eyes. Yeah, the NBA is getting a hundred percent of viewers' attention this week. They had yeah. they had the Nuggets and um, the Bucks going at it this week. They they put up Laker marquee Celtics matchups late Lakers yeah. Celtics today. So they put marquee matchups on the week where they knew that they weren't going to have to compete with the NFL. And the NHL instead decided, oh, we're just going to take the week off. You're going to have four days off that because true. they've had, they've not played a game since I think Monday or Sunday night, and the rest of the days are off. And then they go into yeah. All Star Weekend. It's no one cares about the NHL All Star. Yeah. Doesn't matter. And then the, everybody's going to be watching the Super Bowl. Like, exactly. People that never watch football are going to be watching it. Yeah. Like because you got the the commercials, you got the halftime, all the, all that stuff. Yeah. So. so it's just dumb. That is true. MLB yeah. does it too. Like on the Fourth of July, they don't put games all day on primetime, which they should because that is I mean, your that's day. The Sandlot, dude. It's a, that's that's so that's I baseball. Just, 
you want to know why some leagues are you know moving up in the world or the kings in the nfl it's because they do stuff like that they pay attention yeah. to other schedules you know why the ufc takes breaks ufc's off that weekend right or the, they, the ufc takes weekends off yeah. around this that's why these um organizations grow the way they do and some of yeah. these ones are struggling like the it'd nhl be, has it'd be funny it'd be interesting since the super bowl is in vegas like what would the ratings be for like a ufc you know fight night or pay-per-view yeah the night before it, yeah the night before like I, I, it wouldn't be too bad i guess it'd be like well see that's where know. they benefit because they have saturday events and stuff but like the yeah. nhl could have been playing marquee matchups yeah. all week this week especially with their new espn deal they're all over the place you can get yeah. any game anywhere anytime and they just they fumbled the bag so that's what i hate about the week that we have off here because yeah. i'm itching you know, I have the Nuggets every other day. They've <laughs> yeah. luckily had a really fun schedule. They had the Bucks the on Monday. Been playing well too. Like oh, it'd be fun to watch some Avs games right it's now. Killing me. <laughs> yeah. So I hate this week for many reasons. Yeah. Um, this is kind of like the dead week before it final, is. and then we yeah. come back. We get you get the Super Bowl, <laughs> and then you got the NBA and NHL start heating up, and then March, the best month of sports of all time. Oh, dude. Oh, yes. Yeah. I I completely I I love college basketball. Uh, I, they have the best format out of any big major sports. It, it's the best way to end your season. And, and it's like only only basketball could do it like that, too. Yep. Like it, It's it's incredible, man. It's a good time. Well, we have a couple minutes here, Austin. It's time to pay homage. We do this every week. We say a shout-out or a thank you to something, someone, or yep. anything in general. Austin, what is uh, your homage this week? What are you Dude, paying homage to? I saw a tweet and I, I this is still rumors might have to check in on their podcast newer heights or whatever with mm -hmm. jason kelsey and travis kelsey jason kelsey wants to uh revamp bring back those like backyard baseball backyard yep. football games that. dude please that, yeah. that's what that was that was what I, I i love playing those games they're they're just so fun your lineup first overall pick pablo sanchez and then the rest you just kind of plug and play but it, that was that was a great game. They need to be bringing back some games like that. Like they're bringing back the NCAA. Yep. They need to bring this one back. I, th I think like NFL Street needs to come back. Yep. I think that would be. A, I think now more like the stars that we have in the NFL would be a great time to have. Like the stars that we have right now uh, in NFL Street, you'd have so many good players, especially with the mobile quarterbacks and oh, everything. Yeah. Like I'd love it. NBA Street was a good one too. It was back volume in the day. two. Yeah. Oh, good yeah. one. I'm gonna pay homage to Mark Andrews. Yeah, dude. Mark I saw Andrews that. today saved a life. See, he's diabetic yeah. or something. Um, yeah. So during a flight uh, from Baltimore to Phoenix today, there was a woman on his flight, Mark Andrews, tied in for the Ravens, who had some sort of medical episode. And Andrews, who is a type one diabetic, got up and decided he was going to try to help. And he says, "Could it be her blood sugar that's you know making her faint or whatever's going on?" Give he goes, "I have a testing kit yeah. to help with this." Ended up saving her life stabilize her heart rate i mean that's so awesome what I'm, a story I'm getting goosebumps right now like, that's that, wild. that is insane yeah. dude and, and you're on a plane and like you you don't have the resources like if you're you know you're a medical professional out yep. there like you, and you're just getting you know the flight attendants coming up to you like hey is there any doctors on board and then you're like that that's like you know i mean you you're you you pick that field because you're, you're called upon in like, you know, those pressure situations going into the ER or whatever. But then like you're on a plane, just kind of relaxing. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, I'm on, I'm on go mode. And then yeah. you just got to make, make a play like that. And, and then Mark Andrews, dude, just coming in clutch because without that, I mean, 
the, that that person's probably yeah yeah shout out to mark Dude, andrews i mean yeah, that's traveling one. is stressful flying on planes is stressful no, no matter who you are and then you see a situation like that and then to just go hey we can try yeah. this thing real quick maybe that'll help and and then it does and it gets the job done and yeah, so shout out to Mark Andrews. Yeah, dude, great pull. Nice pull. Oh, yeah. Good for him. Hey, well, that'll do it for us for Ramblers here tonight. Thank you guys for listening. 7 to 9 p.m. every Thursday. We're working yeah. on something next Thursday. Hoping to get some hockey games here yes, for you guys. Sir. Play-by-play broadcasts and such for you guys next week. So no Ramblers next week, but we will be on these airwaves. If you intend to listen to us, we will still be on at our normal scheduled time. Thank you for listening to 90.5 KCSU for Collins. We'll talk to you guys later. Peace. I'm Caleb Allen. And I'm Austin Martin. If you enjoyed this episode, you can catch other episodes on KCSUFM.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Ramblers airs live every Thursday, 7 to 9 p.m. on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins.